Causing the Effect, a podcast focused on the exploration of your mind, body, and spirit. Sherry, how are you? Good morning. Uh, what's going on? How was Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was awesome. It's cold though in Boise. <laughs> I know. I talked I, I talk to, to a friend in Idaho, um, Sherry Fernandez, um, great author. And really, um, I would say the goal of what Sherry's work has been is to design and motivate young adults to, to seek happiness. And the one thing that when I was reading up on you was this um, – you gave you said if practice daily for an hour, the habits that you create could really propel you to that top one percent. And I wanted to start there with that because I feel like we're just gonna give people just some good value value right off the bat. But when did you start like when did that start clicking for you? And what habits particularly do you think were the most important as you were developing those skills to become, you know, a more mature adult? I was a super I mean undisciplined teenager and young adult and party girl and and even at school, couldn't get to get to one class to another with a pencil, you know, it's like that. Just not any good disciplines at all. But I knew that um, I and I parted away a lot of years, my early years. But I, I knew that I wanted things, you know. I just wanted the everything that life had to offer. I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to have my children have a uh, still have a rocking good body, and I wanted to have money and things. We had nothing; we just had really nothing. Like we were, we were just all, almost not even able to feed ourselves. This is about the time I got married. Um, and so I started uh, listening to motivators and thinking, okay, I'm going to have to make some changes. And I actually started developing habits using just a little chart, like you would a child's um, job chart or something, you know, and I, I decided to start with a couple of disciplines. I started with, I don't know, you know, I work with people and this is where we start with, and everybody usually draws out a pool about eight habits that they start with. Mm -hmm. They'll usually be something like meditation, workout, prayer, um, reading, study in their field, maybe a devotional kind of reading, usually something out of a pool like that, uh, maybe walking. Once in a while, they'll throw somebody will throw water in there, but the very first early starts are usually out of that pool. And sometimes it's just hard to say, oh, can I draw a direct line between me um, and the bottom line, my bottom line financially and working out every day? Everybody really realizes that there is a direct, a, a direct correlation between having these good habits and success, but it's hard to see it until you start doing the daily habits. So it's who you are becoming and these habits help you become a certain kind of person that propels you towards success in life. Absolutely. And and I was um I I'm still just a little part of your share. I'm not gonna lie to you. But I, I would say much worse in my twenties, a little overweight. And when I start working out in the gym, that's when everything started clicking for me. Cause for me now it's a very I don't understand how people don't go to the gym. I'm in the gym every day, seven times a week, going twice, all this crazy stuff. And and for me, where this change started happening was, well, oh, you could change the material world. Like, what else could I change? Everybody in my family said, we're just overweight by by design. It's just genetics. It's just this. It's just that. I'm like, no, well, if that's true, what else is true? Where did where did that kind of where did the the seed get planted in your early life that starts saying, wow, if I could change this, what else could I change? That is just about the, that's a, about the crux of it. You know, I had a, I, just as a side note, I had this gym, it's a boutique gym. I did a really good program, super good program. I had it for about 10 years. 
and we got super good results. It was just because I could afford to do what I knew was right in the gym. Sure. I didn't have to do any gimmicks, but what was, and, and also I had my personal development. I started about that time too, that I started doing it more formally because guess what? When people started getting really fit, they were just like you said, what else can I do? And I think that was uh, when I started those first few habits, I was like, oh, that's cool. Look at the change in me. I started with three little habits that were just, just little things. I thought, well, that's really cool. Okay, let me add one more. Okay, let me add one more. And and some things I've kept for the that's 40 years ago. I've kept the whole 40 years. And some things were only temporary just for a period of time in my life. But uh, it's made all the difference. And you can, there's all much, not much you can you can't accomplish with yeah. good habits. And just the, it's the consistency. People ask me about the best, you know, how many days should you work out or what's the best workout and what should I do to lose weight? Whatever you choose, do it consistently. Choose something good, but do it. It's a consistency that that gets you somewhere. Yeah. No, and I think in in general, everything, even personal development, even meditation, spirituality, whatever it is, whatever will let you keep doing it is the best thing for you. That's what I try to tell people. Because if you walk through my rituals in the morning, Cherry, it's the meditation, the pranayama, the the the, the asanas. The, it's too much. And I go, but listen, I'm just a little wild. I need to just let it out somewhere. I need three hours of personal development a day. But um. Like for you now, moving this to where the personal development really started kind of clicking for you. Start with your story because I, I understand you left home at 17, which is like I didn't leave till 25, 26. And my mom's like right down the block. I can't can't leave my mom. I'm like what what was the, the childhood like? And I'm mm. sure there's a story or something there. Yeah. Um Luckily, the way things worked out, I'm a loner a little bit and like to wander and think and wander and think even from the time I was little, which was lucky because my parents got divorced when I was seven and there was four of us little girls. And uh, my mom was not very well equipped to take care of four girls. And in those days, this is the early 60s, right? Dads just sort of disappeared when there was a divorce. My dad was around here and there, but not very much. And my mom wasn't well equipped and I was just kind of left adrift and I would just wander and walk and go places. And I, found the local swimming pool and figured out how to get in and how to swim and found the local movie house and figured out how to, how you got a ticket and went to movies. I just, you know, I'm just started, I started doing that about eight and I was eight, eight and a half years old, something like that. Um, but in all that walking and thinking somewhere in there, I thought I just made that decided that I was something special. <laughs> I got in my head that I was going to do great things. I didn't know what they were, I didn't even know what great things would be, but that somehow God thought I was something special. And I didn't even know had any history about what God was, but I had that whatever that power was, thought I was special and I was going to be something great and grand. And that feeling just never did really leave me, even though you looking at our life and the life that I had, my family life, my personal life, my habits as I got older, you wouldn't think, I mean, nobody would give me two cents for me, I don't think. <laughs> but it clicked back in, you know, when it got serious, when time got serious, it clicked in and I, started with the habits and and I've been able to be highly accomplished in all the eight areas I talk about and uh it worked for me I just I believed in myself when I started with the habits and of course there's more of that story but yeah now how many uh, now in the you have three other sisters right uh, where three. where were you the oldest one were you the youngest or were you I'm the oldest one and so if you just imagine you don't take very much imagination to know where a woman goes with four children four girls four daughters right so it wasn't, she had got another marriage and then we won't go into all those details, but, and then we, I had a brother in that marriage. Um, then my parents, my parents got back together again um, when I was 10 and stayed together until I was married. So I did get some stability later on, 
But those years were really formative because I um, I was able to determine my own value, even though I had this classic abusive stepfather kind of thing going on. It didn't it didn't diminish me. It's, I know that probably sounds weird, but it, it didn't diminish me in. Um, it was just a thing that happened, you know. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. And, and I, I get that. And I think that's such a beautiful thing because my father, I was telling Sherry earlier, everybody knows that story. My dad left when I was six and I'm left with all this trauma, this worthiness, this, and you seem to imprint on yourself that you're the bomb. Did, did your mom have something to do with that? Is it a parenting thing? Were they doing? No, that didn't happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> my parents were, my, my, our, our, I think my parents both really loved, loved, loved us a lot. And that's why they got back together and, and all that stuff. And, I think they did really love me a lot, but they were not really very present. You know, they had their own problems and there was food on the table and, and um, a little bit of management, some family life, but I was still alone to figure out myself. And you grew up in uh, an interesting era, a lot of, a lot of rocking and rolling, a lot of drugs, <laughs> a lot of hippy dippy stuff. I wish that's when I should have been born. How was that? No. And what was, I don't know what was it like. Just how wild was it in the, in 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 your twenties? I can just imagine it must have been a great time. Yeah, it was. You know, it was an interesting. It was still. Um, well, I think about I was hitchhiking. Uh, I think now, you know, you probably would make it. I did a lot of hitchhiking in, in well, quite a bit. And you were so hitchhiking. I know. I think what in the world, you know? Um, and I, without uh, maybe a couple of close, kind of close calls, but really pretty safe was. It was an era where you were, it was wild, and yet there's still some measure of um, innocence. You know what I mean? So it was, yeah, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, listen, you're, you're talking to the, the kid with coming off of Netflix documentaries where all the killers are out and everybody's pulling the girls out of the thing. I get that. I, I think that was a better way to be that you were more trusting of human beings back then yeah. and maybe more open to like, okay, this is, you know, I'm not going to get killed or something. Because now it's like, that that does not happen anymore. I, I well, don't we think. hadn't watched nearly so many serial killer movies <laughs> at that point. <laughs> uh, so maybe that helped. Or maybe somebody was watching over me. I don't know. But yeah, you know, it was um, um, driving down to outdoor concerts and, and just bumming around and finding groups of people and campfires where somebody's playing music it was just this weird um free time you know and, no underwear and, no food no money no gas <laughs> no but that's interesting because at, at six you put this put this imprint on yourself that i'm gonna be something i'm gonna be the best now is there any like an identity issue with i i, I deep down feel this person but i'm out there partying rock and roll and because this is the story of my life in the in my twenties yeah. as well. Um, I think I felt like I was just waiting to get around to it. I knew that I was going to go do some stuff. I'm just right now. I'm going to do this, and I have a. I still this way. I just want to touch and see and feel and do everything. Now I just channel it into more positive things. But I was out doing some of that stuff. Um, I was just wanted to go places, see things, do things, experience life. I just wanted to just touch everything. And of course, some things you should leave alone. And uh, now I leave those things alone. I don't do those negative things anymore. But I think it was just that. I was just finding myself. I hate to use that phrase because that was so popular. It's such a cliche in the 70s. But just trying to figure things out. And then what's trying to get serious about life. I actually, what happened there is I um, I was, I had a baby just before I turned 20. And 
had not planned to have children ever or be married ever, actually. It was not, didn't have appeal. I mean, after my background, it had no appeal. But they laid that baby in my arms and my whole world changed. I mean, I didn't even know I had the capacity to love anything so fiercely. So then I thought, well, I need stability for her. So I decided I should get married. And I would not plan to do that. So I was looking, actually, I was dating tons and knew lots of guys and stuff. But I was just looking for somebody who'd be a good father. And I did that. And he was. <laughs> and we had five more kids. <laughs> so, wow. Uh, well, so we were family people. And he really loved the kids. And we just really in, enjoyed um, that family life. But that's one of the reasons why I had to get serious. I couldn't. I had a bit of a drinking problem by that point and uh, drugs and the, the marijuana stuff didn't really, I didn't get too into that. I mean, it did for a while, but it wasn't my thing with alcohol. And I had to give that up. I knew it would destroy me and I just had to get serious. Or I was going to lose everything that mattered to me. And I wanted all that stuff too. Yeah. So and, you, in a, in a way, having the family kind of matured you a little quicker, got you to that place that I think, you know, you know, call family call connection with others or people around you for, for some of those who don't have a family that piece is like what, what i realized um after getting divorced that like that's the driving factor of why i want to do whatever i want to do whether it be comedy work whatever it's that connection with people now when did you start well, you're, you're stable six children jesus christ I, I can't even imagine one at this point cherry like how did you balance i'm gonna be a mom i'm gonna start practicing personal development. I'm going to be a wife. I'm going to be all these things. When did all of who we see today start coming together? Um, so right, not too long after. So both my husband and I were out of that world, that sex, drugs, okay. drugs, rock and roll world. So we didn't have, we had not been to school. We didn't have degrees and we didn't have any potential to make any money. So we were really living like really with two, he was working two jobs and I was doing some daycare and we were still not making it. And uh, I, we just, I think we, my husband also, I didn't even know I said we married. We both really believed that we were superior to our circumstances and we started educating ourselves. So we're listening to everything we can listen to and read and even making, finding a little money to go to seminars um, or motivational speakers. And we're having these babies and we're struggling making ends meet and having to work really hard and changing our lifestyle. So we were doing a lot all at the same time. And when I look back, I'm exhausted just thinking about all the things that I did. Um, I don't know how I did all that, but I did it and I did it well. I just, I think, it, I, you, you know, having somebody to live for is highly motivating. I just had such passion for my kids. I really feel like I had exceptional zeal for those, those people and for my family. And I just, they, it was motivating too. So I wanted things for me, but I wanted things for them. And I wanted a family life and I wanted a life different than what I had. And I want stability and I want all their socks to match. <laughs> I just wanted everything to work really good. And uh, so I worked hard. You know, I got up early, developed some good habits, but, uh, good work habits, got up early, worked hard. We were happy. We loved each other too. And that was helpful. Now, you asked some hard questions. <laughs> hey, this is why I do it. I've been listening. I've, I've had you in my ear for the last three hours. Let's get you ready here for all these other podcasts. I'd like to add something to that, though. Yeah, please. I learned pretty early on. So I had all these kids. That means all that laundry, all the carpools, all the ball games, all the dance recitals, all of the up in the night. I mean, all the things that uh, that are involved in having a big family. And we got it. We had a goal to to reach a million dollars by the time we were forty. We did that, and then 
surpass that. So the money began to take care of itself after a while. But I had all these things to do. Like that's a lot of laundry to do, you know, do a lot of carpools, a lot of meals to fix. And I learned that if I took did my personal development first, everything worked out okay. If I tried to do my to-do list and squish my personal development in somewhere here and there, I did not feel good about life or myself and I was less effective. And I will, I and I swear to anybody listening to this, this is the truth. You do the things you need to do for your own personal development. You do them first and they make yourself a priority and not, not let other people rob you at that time, putting out fires for other people and being at, at their um, beck and call. You, you, you take your time and you call it is inviolate and you do you. And then you're better equipped. Your days go better. Things will get done. You can't ever do it all anyway, but you'll do the most important things. And at the end of the day, the end of the day, I was happy if I had taken care of my things and the kids were still alive. I thought that was a really good day. You know, because there's some things you can do tomorrow. Like you can do the laundry tomorrow. You can buy the groceries tomorrow. You can figure out how to make a quick meal if you have to, if you don't have the time to do the shopping. You can figure out how to do some of those things and you can fix it tomorrow. But the things for you, your workout, your meditation, your prayer, your whatever you're reading, those things, those are today's things. They can't be done tomorrow because tomorrow that they have their things. So you work on you first and the other things just take care of themselves. And interestingly enough, I also learned that it, well, it seemed like, and you said there's some time, it's quite a bit of time, like you said in the morning, right? To do your things first for you. But I didn't get any, even, it doesn't seem, it seems counterintuitive. But that hour or two hours I spent on me, I didn't get any more done on. If I skipped those things, I didn't get any more done. I got maybe less done. Less I got done. more done by doing that. It doesn't sound right. That seems like those two hours be so valuable, but they are very, very valuable. They're valuable to you. Yeah. And and I can't agree more because I, I do think even what you said before that with waking up early, if you get up early, you have to make the time for yourself. Because the way I, I look at the switch, once 9, 9 a.m. comes, I'm into giving Scott. So from 4 a.m. to 9, I got, I got four or five hours to do everything because I got to do everything. You had the gym. And some people need less. Some people may need more. But that I think it makes you more efficient when because when I'm after I meditate, everything slows down. There's less intrusive thoughts. There's more peace. I'm kinder. I'm warmer. I don't even think it's close. And I think most people, when you find what works for you, whether it's journaling or whatever, or whatever, you know, pick your poison, that does make everything become more vibrant, efficient, just as far as being results oriented goes. Yeah, I think so. And, and I, I can't exactly tell you why that's true. I think, I don't know why, it doesn't matter why, it's just the truth. And we, you, you exactly. can practice it and you know it's true. And I'm like you, I've got a couple of hours of, by the time I work out and and do all the reading that I wanna do and eat breakfast, you're talking two and a half to three hours. And the key is you get up earlier and that's just how you do that's it. it. Sherry, give, give me the breakdown of, of the, because I, I would love to hear it. Uh, what, what does Sherry's morning look like? Well, well, first of all, I turn my, my phone on airplane mode before I go to bed. Hell, yeah. so I, I don't know, tempted to look at my texts or anything until, I, until I'm done. If there's something I think could be urgent, I'll check it after I meditate. But I get up and I pray and then I meditate. And then I make a smoothie real quick so I can drink it. And then I do some um, devotional reading. I do some personal development reading. And I write my journal. And of course, I write my affirmations every day and I work out. And I do two, in the day, I do two physical activities, like a workout and a walk or a bike ride and a walk. Or I do two 45-minute workouts a day. That's what I do. Beautiful. I don't do them both in the morning. I do something else later in the day. 
So that's, that's it. So it's good to install. If I'm hopping, I can yeah. get two and a half hours. And that that's really just all useful stuff. Everybody, just turn your freaking phone off in the morning. I've said it a million times. Please, for just an hour, just get off the phone. It's like for for me, Sherry. I mean, scientifically been proven that it slow it speeds up your 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 uh, theta waves. It's taking kind of out of that consciousness. That's what when I'm up. Same thing. No phone. I got to get to my to my little uh, meditation uh, blanket. Relax sit through it and just be a piece. And I think starting your day, however you start that morning, that first hour is so crucial. It will trickle throughout the day, whether it's a little chaotic or if it's more peaceful. Yeah. And you said, you yeah, said devotional, devo- I'm sorry, sorry, just, you said devotional reading. Is that religious reading? Religious, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Religious. Right now I'm, well, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's, it's religious, you know, reading scriptural, scripture study, scripture study is what it is. Gotcha. And um, I was going to say this, you know, you're familiar with the term make help. Mako, it's a Zen term, Mako. No, no. It's your brain, what your brain does to um, distract you from things that are important, basically. I mean, we can make it broader for our, our use, but um, so that phone, you're going to do the hard things for you, you know, the, the meditation, whatever. That phone is easy, and we just grab for it. It's our brain distracting us from important things. That's what Mako is, your brain distracting you from important things. And that is, it's a, it's a killer for your morning. And another thing I'd say about that phone, too, is you, if you, if you if you've meditated very much at all, or you're just very aware of your heart rate, you can hear you if you look at a text and notice what your heart rate does. It's not necessarily that it goes off the charts, but if just you just got done meditating, then you look at a text and you can feel the heart rate go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just and so that just there's just so many reasons about you know when I found when I started doing this, my phone had less power over me. I felt myself much less detached to my phone when I quit doing that. Because now all the hard things were over, my brain didn't have much use for the phone. <laughs> I guess I don't know why, but anyway, that's that's I, I'm a big big believer in getting that phone, and I'll, not just I use it for a timer for my meditation and stuff. I just keep it on airplane mode, but for the rest of it, I just put it away. If, you know, if you don't need it for the timer, I like my meditation timer, but air, uh, just put it in another room. Even it's just so freeing. No, and and I can't agree more. And I think in in even I'm sure in in back back when when you were my age, it, it was one thing. But even now, we are constantly being kind of people want our attention, whether it be social media, whether it be work, whether it's constantly getting pulled from you. And that's why I think these practices, all of a sudden, spirituality and peace and calm, all of a sudden, it's at the forefront because you actually need these tools to combat the world of tech and all all this kind of it's great it's been a big help but i do think there's an issue if you can't sit with your thoughts for 10 minutes like sure i can't tell my cousins to meditate because they'll yell they're 18 years old they'll say i'm (laughs) old and i'm weird i told them turn off your phone for 10 minutes and just write just write whatever and they go wow i didn't realize how calming it is yeah dude it's not it's this stuff isn't rocket science it's just about i think getting it to the forefront where like i feel bad for my kid cherry because that kid's gonna be meditating with me every day we're gonna be meditating in the morning together it's gonna be great did you get the kids onto any of this stuff too um well yes well all my kids do they pick and choose and they've done different kind of the practices uh but yeah they're all they're really good for working out and that kind of thing and they're depends on which things they picked you know what i mean and you can't live somebody else's life and the best way by the way to teach that to your children is just to, to model it but i didn't know all, i mean i had to add these things up over a period of 40 years right i started with little tiny baby steps so i didn't really start meditating they were all out of the house before i started meditating they all know i do it and i'm trying to gently suggest that maybe it's a good practice but um, sure. so a lot of those things they saw me do 
I always worked out faithfully, always, always, always. And so they saw that their whole lives. And they saw me uh, within prayer. They saw me reading scripture. So those are some that write in my journal. They saw me doing those things as they were growing up. Meditation, they didn't, they just know it as a concept because my children are uh, 32 to 47. So they've been out of the house for a while. Yeah. Now, when did the idea for, uh, and everybody, Sherry's book, you can find it um, in the notes below, five stars on Amazon. I ordered it. Um, Sherry's going to come back. We'll talk about it. Life mastery, personal progression toward an infinite potential. When did this start developing for you? Um, was there like a, a spark of inspiration? Tell us about that. I've been teaching and speaking and to young adults. I taught uh, uh, evening classes uh, on different personal development things for four, uh, 14 years, young adults, college age. Um, so I've been teaching and speaking, to, asked to speak here and there. And uh, and of course I've been mentoring for about 10 years, one-on-one. -on -one. So I've been doing all these things for a long time, but a lot of times when I speak, which is frequently, I would have people say, you should write a book. I was just like, I just have no interest in writing a book. I never did. I didn't think of myself as a writer. I didn't, it just sounded, it just sounded exhausting, but I had done a workshop in 2000, in 2000, on 2020. In 2020, it was the very beginning of 2020. It was a series of workshops, but then we remember 2020 is when they shut things down. So I'd done the first workshop. We did the second one on Zoom. And one of the participants said, you should write a book. It was a couple actually. And I respect them quite a bit. And they said, you should write a book. And that time it sort of hit me. And I told Ken about it when I got home, my husband and he said, Cherry, you really need to write a book. You just need to do that. And, and I've been feeling like I have all this information, all this knowledge. And I, I'm, I can only mentor so many people. You know, I don't take that many people at four, five, six at, at, at any given time. And so I'm thinking I'm getting older and I've got all this in my head. And it's just going to get lost. And, and so I wrote the book I wish I'd had when I was 25. Right. And I think we were hitting on most. So in Life Mastery, Sherry discusses better relationships, healthier body, sounder finances, spiritual peace, fun, and passion. We've hit most of these, but for you, for somebody in their 20s, what do you think would be one of the most crucial pieces where people are lacking? I would say for me in my 20s, I was, I'm wild. I, I still, you know, I'm wild, Sherry. Let's just say that. Spiritual peace was the one thing that I, I wish I would get gotten more in touch with in my 20s. What, what do you think? Oh, it's an interesting question. Everybody's a little bit different, but one mm -hmm. thing I, I've noticed is almost universally true. I used to feel like what you just said, get your spiritual life lined out and then you'll be more successful in your workout and getting your body under control. And uh, yeah. I'd helped that for a long time, but I got to learn, I started to realize that it actually turned the other way around. It's almost as if you get your body mastery over your physical self. Then we talked about this a little bit earlier, but then everything else starts. Then you want, then you want this and then you want this and you find you said, you said, what else can I do when you get that? Not that you're totally arrived, just when you get this, the program going, not that you're as ripped and fit as you ever want to be before you want to move on, but just seeing that you can do this, you have mastery over your, your physical, then you're like, what else can I do? And a lot of people went to finances or relationships. That was the next thing that they wanted to work on was either their finances or their relationships. Yeah. All, all really good stuff. And I think, um, in, in today's society, this feel like you're you're pushed in certain ways from society, whether it be your parents, whether it be just the the status quo. You have to get married by your 27. Like that's what I thought in my brain. I was like, if, if I if I'm single after 27, Sherry, there's something wrong with me. That's what 
I, I woke up after this and it's like I came off the Ferris wheel. And I'm like, okay, what? And I think that's the hardest part for people. Take the blue pill or the red pill. You have to like wake up and say, oh, I'm not quite living the life I'm architecting. I'm living the life, whoever it may be, the external factors. And once you make that move, then you could say, oh, well, which one do I want? Because that's the, the funnest part of life is it's the meaning that we give it. It's the meaning that we get to choose. And once this, I, I like, because right, right during your time, um, COVID, like divorce, all this crazy stuff. I'm like, I want to start a podcast. I want to do comedy. I want to make more money than ever. And everybody's like, what do you, what do you add your mind? And now it's like, we're doing it, motherfucker. It's great. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I need to be out and out and did it. Yeah, I, what thing you're talking about designing your own life, or in which requires self mastery, right? To design your own life, it's very common. The, the new catchphrase is intentional living. It's, I don't usually like catchphrases. That's a pretty good one, though. Yeah. Uh, intentional living, to, in living every day with a purpose, and not just letting life happen to you. Yes. As most yeah. people just let life, they're not quite sure what to do. And I've got, I work with really good the people who are kind of doing that, but they know there's more. Those are the people that come to me because and I feel bad about all the people who don't have a coach or a mentor because it's so easy to it's so easy to get them to see how to intentionally live their lives. It doesn't take very much energy and time. And when they hear it, they're like, oh, yeah. And they start practicing. They go, like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I needed. But I think what about all the people who don't have anybody to talk to and don't right. get any direction that they're just living? They know there's something more. but They don't know where to start. Yeah. And that's what I offer, of course. And I, I hope with all my heart that the book will reach some of those people and that, that it will be enough to give them the direction. Cause I think there's a lot of people out there that really do want like what you wanted, what, what you've done, what I've done. They just don't know where to start. Don't know how to start. Yes. And I, I do think there's a step, there's a status quo of like life coaches are full of shit and this is all, you know, it's all just playing on the cycle. It's like, listen, it's just because we didn't in, the 1920s, it wasn't created. Like I feel like in 100, 200 years from now, people, everyone's going to have a coach. Like you need a coach. It just gets you where, where you want to go quicker. But you said an interesting part here. And I get emails from young, mostly young men, but both men and women about this. Like where to start? I don't know the answer, Sherry, because it's like sometimes you just don't know. Like how do you help somebody start? Because I feel like there's always a nugget for somebody. And you would know better than me. There's a nugget of craziness. Oh, I want to be a potter. I want to be a pro wrestler. There's something crazy there. And people are usually scared to tell me. I'm like, you know what it is. Is that similar with, with you? Or do you really think people just don't know where to start? And how do they start? Yeah, they don't know where to start. They start with, okay, let me just back up. Yeah. Uh, we talk a lot about anxiety and depression in our society. And of course, obviously, with a toxic environment, there's plenty of chemical problems with that. But most of it is just people feeling stuck and they don't know how to move forward. And that's, that is where a lot of that comes from. So once you start moving forward, and there are, and, but I feel like one of the reasons is, is they feel like you've got, I've got to get from here. They're like, I got to get 20 pounds off. I've got to get out of debt. I've got to, I'd love to start business, but it seems so. How are, you know, like, how do I get, where do I go to start this business? It's way out there too, too big a leap from here to there, but there are no leaps. And this is the best, that's some of the best advice I can give out there. There's just little things. So you just have to start. And the, and the feeling of, of anxiety and depression about being stuck will go away. And the, and the more you add step to step to step, the happier you'll be. This is where the happiness comes. You know, it's all cliche about happiness is in the journey, but it really is. So you take a step forward. What a good mentor or coach can do is help you see what that step would be. And you have to work on you. Then the, the secret, might, as a Michael Jackson say it uh, about the man in the mirror, you know, if you want to change the world, take a look in the mirror. 
you work on you at the same time while you're working on your dreams and you can have it all. There's not much you can't have. There's nothing that I said, I've got everything that I set out for in spades. I mean, I, everything that I wanted, I'm 67. I can still rock a bikini. I've got enough money that I can do whatever I want. I've got good relationships. I've got an awesome marriage. I've got good relationships with my kids. I just have everything, a great, beautiful lifestyle. Um, I have everything that I set out for better than I even dreamed is possible for anybody. Got to take the first step though. You, you know, you said that about life coaches. You said a lot of them are full of it. A lot of them are full of it. <laughs> so please do not get a 25-year-old life coach, you know. Get somebody who's already accomplished what you want yeah. to accomplish. And people remember me about this. Don't ask me for the recommendation. Just go – you have to – because it's part of the, the, the repertoire how you feel with the person. Like I have a coach. He's in his – in the 50s or something like Tony Robbins coach, all this good stuff. And it's a certain repertoire that like it took me a while to find somebody I like because you have to have – it's almost like finding your guru, your spiritual guide. Like you have to feel super comfortable to be able to be open and and do that. But taking that step is really the hardest part for most people because like where? And it's like it take whatever that weird thing is that, that you know, whatever that is. Start how, how to. Go to Google. And I think part of the problem is – being a fool, like you're going to suck at whatever you want to do if you're starting at zero. Um, and I think getting a com comfortable with being uncomfortable and getting okay with failing for me, I'm speaking from comedy. Cause like Sherry, I'm used to being good at stuff quick. It is not easy doing comedy in New York. I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be the cool guy. Everybody hates me. I'm like, what is going on here? But you have to just feel, you have to like be very light with it and you have to be able to just like, let it, let it go. Because I didn't realize Going from, you know, you're the cool financial service guy with money and you're going out with a bunch of, you know, old companies of weirdos. I was like, this is a weird situation for me to be in. So just going through that process and you just have to show up, just show up, just keep showing up, showing up. And eventually the, everything diminishes, like like how Sherry was saying, like whatever that depression, the anxiety, the, the imposter syndrome people have told me, it just goes away. Like you just have to show up, start and show up. That's start it. Somewhere. Yeah. And you know, you learn, we know it's so easy to say, we learn from our mistakes. You got to, you get, you don't get to just go be really good at something. That's why the life coach things that, you know, you don't want a 25 year old life coach, you know, you've got to learn. It takes process and experience, but it's a, that process is again, it's the hard part, but it's also, uh, but it's also the journey that makes you happy. You just made, I kind of stuttered there for a minute. So I was thinking uh, Ryan holiday has a great book called the obstacle is the way super good um, for that kind of thinking, it's like overcome what you were saying, you know, go overcome the obstacles, just get out there. And the obstacle is the way that's how you learn. Sherry, that's one of my, one of my questions was a book you could recommend to, to young people. So I'm going to put this, I'm putting this in my, in the bag right now. That's perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. Um, and I learned it the hard way. Cause I, I actually had debilitating stage fright my entire life. And I was just like, after my divorce, I was all revved up. We got some energy. I'm like, I'm just going to tackle the biggest fear. And after that, everything's so easy now. I'm like, what? There's no more spiders or fear. Sure, I'm not getting over the spider thing. Fuck that. I'm not doing exposure therapy. We're not. Yeah, there's a limit. <laughs> We're not developing that. I don't care. Um, but after you, like, there's a. I, I think there's a lesson to be learned because, like, what what I started realizing, you're so scared of, of doing this thing, talking to people on stage, and even with a podcast, there, there there was that too. But like, there was such a lesson to be found there of how important. Not only you people think it's about what people think of you. It was partially that, but it's part of connecting with people, and like that journey of, of comedy and being on stage has been like such a fun thing because it's like opens up these branches of like personal speaking for people and doing this public stuff. And it's just like you have to be able to take your chances to to get where you want to go, or you're not going to move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to take a. It, there's a risk. Life is a risk. 
But you know what's really risky is not doing anything. That's really risky. And here's the deal is you don't have regrets. Very rarely I come across anybody who has a regret for something they've done. What we Our regrets come from things that we don't do, the things we wish we'd always done. That's where you're going to have regrets. Uh, even if you try something and fail, you'll, you'll walk away with the lessons learned. Yeah. And I think that, honestly, that is more important. That's that's what makes Star Wars so good is when Luke gets his hand chopped off. That's like the that's the, the that's why you read the book in the middle, because that's the that's the obstacle. Um, how was your relationship and how is your relationship with failure? Um that's a that's a good question. I don't have very many, but when I had my fitness business, it was totally really ripping successful in results, not financially. And that was that was the first time I'd ever come across setting goals. We set enrollment goals, financial goals, um, fundraising goals. I did, did a yearly fundraiser, big boot camp. It was a kind of a boot camp style uh, workout, very intense. And we taught the food and the classes and the whole thing. But I kept setting these goals and falling short and setting goals and falling short in that arena. <clears throat> and uh, I think that was a good le- learning for me because I it gave me more understanding because I've not really had not had much for failure. I, if I made it my mind, I just did it. Mm-hmm. Made it my mind. I just did it. I'm not saying every, I didn't ever fail, but not really. You know, I mean, the things I made up my mind to do, I could do. I, and this don't ever start a fitness business. <laughs> yeah, so I lost a lot of money in the business, but the culture was beautiful. I still have people contact me years later. It's been quite a few years now and say it's, there was nothing like it. It was the best experience I ever had. And I wish it was still there and it is still there actually. Uh, somebody bought it for me. So there's a little spot smaller, but I taught these people. Um, they worked with me and they've kept a little version and an online version of it. So it's still there to some degree. But anyway, it was, uh, that's what's failure for me. And, and I, and I, I, I suffered. I um, ended up with some, well, I learned a lot about what your brain can do to your body. Let's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had some stress and some things that I had to work through when I left there, but. It was good. It was all good. It was all all a privilege. Good, good. Now, my one of my final questions. This is more of like this has become my go to question. I love this question. There's these three when when we're dealing with personal development, and I guess in this world of the mind consciousness, we're dealing with three phases of life. Personal development, I think, is more the future, the future version of yourself. We're going to figure it out and be the best version. Then there's the present moment, which comes into more med- meditating and all that good stuff. And then there's the past. That is trauma. That is your scars. Whatever you want, the wounds. How? What is? Would you say is Sherry's philosophy on those three stages? Do you think getting into the present moment answers everything? Do you think doing a little bit of work everywhere is the answer? I was curious to know how you view this because you're, you're a personal development person, particularly mm-hmm. focused on hitting your infinite potential of your future self. Uh, first of all, I don't have much. I don't have much uh, patience with people wallowing in the past. What's done is done. You can't go back there. Yep. And so yeah, you only have the future. So um, I'm only a fan of even therapy to a point because sometimes it keeps people stuck back there. So let's let the past be. I mean, there are sometimes some big things have to be dealt with sure. about a lot of that. And, and also that all the, those answers are inside of you. You can work through a lot of that. It doesn't hurt to have somebody to talk through some things with, but you can do a lot of the, the work yourself in meditation and that kind of thing and just work exactly. out. I mean, let's just not get caught up in the past. Uh, all you've really got is a presence is where happiness is, but it's also where you build your future. So it's tricky. Yes. Um, yes. But what I do with the, if I can learn to um, love the process, then I can look to the f- future and still be in the present. Ooh. I love my daily routines. It's not something that's a drudgery for me. 
I love to meditate. I love my time in the scriptures. I love my workouts. Not every time, all the time, every minute. Sometimes I mean, it's cold outside and I've got to go outside and, and walk or run, but I still love it. Does that make sense? Yes. No, absolutely. And I'm a fan of, of you with the, the past that I, I personally believe that if you spend enough time mastering awareness and consciousness and being in the present moment, your trauma or whatever your issues are going to pop up because then you're in the moment. I'm like, oh, shit, I have an issue. And then so you don't got to really worry about the past. The future for me, the issue I had and I'm. We could, I'm sure you probably have people who've done this. I got so gun ho on the future that I was like neglecting my family. Like right when COVID happened, nobody saw me for, cause nobody saw us. But when COVID stopped and I got to go out and see people, I was like, I can get another hour of podcasting. I can get another hour of doing writing comedy. I ended up neglecting what Ooh. ended up really being the most valuable things for me with connection, my family, my friends, pe like people, because <laughs> I was just, you get so busy doing. And I was curious if you've seen that, or maybe that happened to you in a part of it, because that, that future is awesome. And I'm going to be awesome in 10 years. I'm Asian, like fine wine, like Sherry. Right. But I got to pull myself back sometimes. That's the issue I have. And that's why I only work with people who work on all areas of their life. And that's why your daily habits are so important those eight areas of life and nothing gets lost. It's not really success. I could coach somebody in business. We've owned a number of businesses. I can coach. I can be a personal coach, fitness coach. I've been certified. I did that for a lot of years. I could do, um, I could do um, religious classes or try. I mean, I could do any of those areas. I'm proficient in any of the eight areas of life, but I wouldn't do it just one area because if you focus too much on that, that's what happened to you. You focused on these other kind of career things or job things, even though this comedy is fun for you and the podcast, it was still kind of that kind of thing, but you forgot this thing over here. So if you're working on good daily habits, um, and we'll get to that when we're, when I'm working with the client, we'll make sure that we're not neglecting the relationship. We'll make sure that we're not neglecting our health, um, that we're taking care of business. So yeah. And, and you know, people talk about a well-balanced life. Um, it's not about a balance. You're not balancing, like it's not all these balls you're juggling. It's who you're becoming. I'm like a person of character. Do I respect the people in my world and love and, and, and have a loving heart towards the people that are important to me? Do I have, um, am I taking care of my body? You know, am I just doing all of the things? Am I becoming a person that does that? Not a person that's juggling balls because that doesn't sound peaceful to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think inside. Yeah. And that, that was a big move for me. That's what I felt like I was doing. I was like throwing a ball at a row. And then it was just like, okay, then maybe for people who have that issue, maybe you got to pull it back a little bit and you got to become just more center. Cause I realized I was getting more away from my meditation and move more into like, let's just get right in common. Let's just do, do, do. Cause you know, you just gotta, but I think being aware and, and just planning out your weeks is, is pretty simple. Like I, I'm more, and, and, you have to know those blind spots. So for me, I just have to make time for seeing everybody. And it's not so, you know, just, just, I think you have to really be able to look at the unconscious side of things where you're kind of things that you're not going to see and have a person that can hold you accountable, like a coach or even my friends. I said, listen, am I slacking anyway? And they'll give you, if you have some good friends, they're able to give you those real answers. So I, we didn't talk about this, but I'm sure you, and you just mentioned, I didn't say this, but another one of those valuable things, everybody ultimate baseline habit is planning your day. And then less things get uh, lost. And also I teach a tracking sheet where you list your habits and you check them off every day. That's a good accountability. So you'd be surprised at how accountable that can make you because you want that check. You don't want that, that blank spot, right? But also if they're all listed in front of you and you're working on a tracking sheet for your daily goals, 
You're not going to lose some things like um, take my wife out on a date once a week and you got this weekly thing, you know, or tell my children I love them every day. You're not going to lose. Call my mom. I call my mom's on mine. She's just about to the end of her, her ability to remember anything. Um, call my mom every day. Um, so that's on my tracking sheet. So I'm not going to get lost, but let that get lost while she's in a, in a care home. Right. I love a tracking sheet. It's the first thing I, well, I get people to do a big dreams list first, just for motivation and to, and to help them um, quantify their goals. And then we go right to a tracking sheet. And then we work on it every week. How's the tracking? What'd you track? Did you get hundred percent? If you get hundred percent, why didn't you, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, that's, a, that's the very first thing that we do. Yeah. I think having that, that overarching theme or the mission or something, and then filling in the blanks with how to, how to do it. Um, it, it's, it sounds simple, but it's just get, it's the, the execution of this and staying consistent over three decades. Like you did. It's, it's wonderful. Um, and Sherry, just thank you so much for joining us and imposing some of this knowledge on us. I really just appreciate your time. You asked me about uh, books. I do have a reading list on the website. Uh, and I also have those tracking sheets I'm talking about. So, you know, if you even have the book, you have to rip yours out of your book. <laughs> you can you can download those. They're all free. It's totally free. It's just I've done this for all the websites I've had for forever, both a, a reading list and um, tracking sheet. So you can get that at lifemasteryinfo.com. And you can email me if you'd like any more information. I'm very accessible. People email me. I answer personally. Um, so you can contact me at sherry at lifemasteryinfo.com. Perfect. And everybody just click, um, all the, those are in the notes below. Uh, I'm going to buy, it's Christmas time. My mother's asking me about, my mother hates me, Sherry, because she's like, all you want is books. I'm like, mom, what do you want? I got clothes. I you know. But hey, um, all good. Get some books for your family or whatever uh, during the, the, the Christmas season. But Sherry, thank you so much again. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure, truly. Thank you, Scott. It's been fun to talk to you too. And I I'd be thrilled to come on your show again after you've read the book and see what you think. Yes. Yes. That's going to be great. And um, if anyone picks it up and has questions for me to ask Sherry, just email me causing the effect podcast at Gmail and we'll take it from there. So then we'll just, we'll see you again, Sherry. And um, for causing the effect community, thank you guys so much for the support, for the love, for all that good stuff. Review, subscribe, like all that good stuff. But most importantly, tell one of your friends about it. Just say, listen, I heard this kid, Scott, talking to Sherry. They're two wonderful people. And then people are going to love us. And I'll do the rest. I promise. Thank you. As always, stay safe, stay positive, stay blessed. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.